Welcome to the Elijah Fire Podcast, where we jump into issues of today with faith and freedom instead of fear. And now here's your host, Jeff Tharp. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Elijah Fire, episode 393. Ooh, we're seven episodes in. You guys, we got seven more episodes. We're at episode 400. And you know that we like to do for our centennial celebrations, we always, always like to do something special. So if you got any fancy ideas, Please DM us on Instagram, message us on Facebook. You can comment in the comment section. We want to hear your ideas. Uh, we're also going to be having a meeting about it today, uh, being like, yo, what are we, what are we going to do? So uh, we'll integrate in. We'll pivot. If we get something after this episode airs, we'll pivot. And we're like, uh, that's a, that's, that episode's lit. We're going to do that one. So uh, let us know. Uh, guys, today is the 23rd of February, if you can believe it. I feel like I just said it was February 1st. So we're almost at the end. We're just cruising through this year. Um, yeah, crazy. Uh, before you know, I'll be saying it's December. So, uh, but it's almost March right now. So make sure to follow the Elijah Fire podcast on Spotify as well. Give us an honest review on there. If you are uh, listening on the app, you can rate there. So um, we've got a lot of four and fours and fives. You guys are super generous. We appreciate it. Um, we appreciate the passion. Um, so, uh, also I wanted to mention one more time since it is Friday tomorrow, the 24th, uh, we are going to be dropping our marriage 101 teaching series on Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, wherever you guys listen to podcasts. Um, as, as many of you are well aware that we've done that teaching series in video format, we're trying to catch up and add all of those teaching series in, on, in podcast form. Marriage 101 is fantastic. I was joined by my amazing wife, Lauren. Um, you guys are well aware we're both very passionate about healthy relationships, healthy marriage. And um, I often share to people because people immediately go, oh, we did a marriage series. And they go, well, I'm not married, so I'm not watching. Uh, I often share that a lot of the, the principles that I learned uh, that I've applied into my marriage are things God taught me before I was married the things I applied into my plutonic relationships with people. And I remember I was sitting there and I was like getting, you know, I, I was dating Lauren at the time. It was really serious. I knew she was going to be my wife. And um, yeah. So illumination says as a single person, it was awesome. So all the singles need to listen to it too. And, and I remember I was sitting there and I was like, God, I, I really want, you know, my, my parents were divorced. I, many of my friends' parents were divorced. And I was like, God, I don't want to fall. I don't want to, I don't want to do that again. Um, I, I, it's a horrible experience (laughs) for anybody involved kids and even the, the people that are married. Um, and, and God said, uh, he started showing me all my relationships, um, people I've been friends with for a long time. And he's like, have you had an argument with so-and-so? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, what about so-and-so? I'm like, yeah. And he kind of went through this list and he goes, are you still friends with them? And I said, yes, I am. And he goes, why are you still friends with them? And I said, because I, I love them. I care about them. Like we're committed to a our friendship and, and our, any disagreement we have, is not as important as us being unified. And he goes, if you apply that same principle to your marriage, it will succeed. And my wife and I are going on 13 years. We've been together since 2008. So we were dated for two years, then 10 months of engagement. And, and then we've been together for almost 13 years. And I love her more today than I did when I first met her. And it's a testament to the principles that God taught me. So we were joined by uh, each episode. We were joined by different couples, and they share their story and talk about very similar things, but also very different things um, that they've walked through. And that's the amazing thing about bringing in different types of people. So we're already talking about doing another one, but for now, you get the three-part series. It drops tomorrow. 
look out for it. Uh, it's worth revisiting or visiting for the first time. So, um, also guys, anytime you donate to elijahstreams.com slash donate, those proceeds go towards keeping this free five days a week. Allows us to hire people. Like we just hired Eric this week. Super exciting. He's been doing an amazing job. Um, and that's because of your guys' investment. We so appreciate that. We're expanding, we're growing, but we don't stop there. We take a portion of every donation and we put it into our amazing water well efforts. We're digging a new fresh water well every three days uh, around the world. And so uh, without any further ado, we're going to play a quick video on those efforts and then we're going to get going. By giving towards clean water in Uganda, you are impacting thousands of lives. Praise the Lord. I am so happy. I've been blessed. As a pastor, I've spent 34 years on this village. When I got saved, God touched me to, and told me to preach the word of God through action. I've been teaching water for old people, for the elderly. I wanted to make sure that they get water. There's been a lot of suffering. They've been fetching water from very far places and the water has been bad. But today, we have seen God. I thank God and I thank you, people. God bless you. Together, we can continue to bring clean water to the people in Uganda, Africa. Donate online at elijahstreams.com slash donate. Or mail a check today to Elijah Streams, 525 2nd Avenue, Southwest, Suite 629, Albany, Oregon, 97321. So thank you guys again so much for those donations. Um, as you can see, those are actual people that we're actually interacting with. The team, Mike and Lori Sally. Um, are there quite frequently. They have a whole team of people through Show Mercy International. And Steve actually just got to go there and see all the expansion, all the wells being done. He got to be a present for a well dedication. Uh, they dedicated it to the Lord. Um, this is a huge answer to prayer for so many people. And meeting a basic need like fresh, clean water opens so many people to the gospels. As a result, thousands of people have been exposed to the gospel. And many of them have given their lives to the Lord. So, And that's because of your guys's your partnership with us. So thank you again so much. All right. Um, I'm super excited about today's episode. It's been a long time coming. I think we've been talking about this for like a year and it's finally happened and I'm so excited. So uh, my guest today, he is an evangelist. He's an international minister. He is also the author of the fantastic book and quick read you guys. I mean, you can, you can blaze through this and it's just, it's so good. It's called dare to share. And it's a, it's basically a field manual on how to share um, the gospel with people and uh, to tailor it to how you function and how God made you and the way that you communicate. And it's super amazing. So I think you guys are going to find this really encouraging. Link is in the description to this book. We're going to be talking about that and much more. Without any further ado, let's give it up for our guest Oh, uh, We were quick on the draw there. Founder of Gospel Grenades, Andrew Cannon. Here you are. Welcome to the show, man. Hey, Jeff. How are you doing? Doing fantastic, man. Can it's an honor to have you on the show. Oh, bless you. When I was watching it loading up, then I ho I was hoping and praying you'd load me up 100%. Yeah, and you're 100% loaded, man. You're fully loaded. Yeah. <laughs> I'm blessed to be here, buddy. Thanks for yeah. having me on. I really Ab am blessed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so I said gospel grenades. That's a really interesting name. 
I was reading on your website kind of the story behind that. Why don't you tell people like what gospel grenades? What is that? Okay, yes. Yeah, so it's a it's well, it's our ministry. It's the, the yeah. name of our ministry, and it came it came quite strangely. Really, I had a dream. I had a dream that I was walking through. This was before I stepped into full time ministry. I had this dream um, that I was walking up a war torn street. And in my hand, which seemed even strange in the dream, I had these two explosives. Mm-hmm. What sounded even more strange is I heard the voice of the Lord say, throw them. Just bear with me, yeah. guys. Just bear <laughs> yeah. with me. There's yeah. peace, love, and unity in this story, okay? Mm-hmm. Not carnage. Yeah. And as I was as I was on this war-torn street, I heard the Lord say, throw them. And I threw these explosives mm-hmm. into these crowds of people. And they had the adverse effects. They brought restoration. They brought togetherness. They brought unity. They brought color. They brought um, buildings started to be erected and grass started to grow out the ground. Hmm. It was crazy. It was a full transformation of a city. Two weeks later, I was heading over to a stadium event that Jen and I were attending, my wife, Jen. And as I was going through the security, I went through the metal detector. Unfortunately, I left a couple of coins in my pocket. Uh-huh. You'd think I would know not to do that mm-hmm. with the amount of travel that I do, but yeah. I did. No one's Rookie perfect. A yeah. <laughs> couple of pounds in the back pocket. The yeah. alarm went off, and then they proceeded to swab my hands. They did a full check. They put the swab in the machine, and the machine lit up like a Christmas tree. They came back. They swabbed my hands again, and then they took me to one side. <clears throat> And they asked me, sorry, in, in the chaos of it, I was asking them, I was like, hey, listen, I used to be a drug addict. I'm not now. Yeah, Jesus I'm... set me free. I don't do drugs. And they're like, Mr. Cannon, it's not narcotics. I'm like, okay, well, what is it? They said, every time we swab your hands and put it into that machine, that machine is telling us you've been holding explosives. That's now, <laughs> I'm just thankful, Jeff, that I held that cup captive. I don't want to shout in an airport that I had a dream of throwing bombs. Yeah. You get what I mean? Uh-huh. Yeah. And it was if, it was as if the law, and my wife said, hey, wouldn't it be great to call it gospel grenades? We were looking for a name to call our ministry. Mm-hmm. And that's where the name came from, a mm-hmm. dream of, of, of the Lord restoring a city. And then an altercation in the airport. And that's how we came up with the name Gospel mm, Grenades. Yeah, that's wild. And that also was probably quite a revelation. You're like, okay, I have to respond very carefully in an airport. They're like, we're finding explosives, a uh, trace of explosives on your hands. And you're like, okay. Uh, what, what, no. was, what was really interesting was they interrogated me. Now, I used the word interrogate to hook our people in. Let me tell you how the interrogation went. They said they had this ball and they went, Mr. Cannon, the machine's telling us you've been holding explosives. Bear in mind, this was in Europe at the height of a lot of the terror groups that were that were, um, were causing chaos throughout Europe. They said to me, Mr. Cannon, do you live near farmland? I said, yes, I do. They said, do you think it's possible the farmer would use pesticides? I said, 
yes, I think they would. He said, okay, you're free to go. I was like, yes, yeah. <laughs> that was the interrogation yeah. over. So I can't yeah. exactly say I was interrogated, but you get what I mean. Right? Yeah, it's a low-grade interrogation. Low-grade yeah, interrogation. Yeah. But interrogated nonetheless. So you can check that off your bucket list of <laughs> yes. things you're like, yeah, I was interrogated. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, uh, well, first off, I meant to do this at the very top of the show. I had to uh, jokingly repent to you, but I'm going to do it publicly. I have been saying you're from Scotland. You're from Liverpool. And I also was, you know, face in my hand because my wife and I was telling you, my wife and I watch a lot of English dramas and, and shows and things like that. So we're well, you know, well aware of many different accents, Liverpool, Sheffield, like all of those. Um, and, uh, and so when I saw that you're from Liverpool, I was like, of course he's from Liverpool and suddenly I could hear it. So yeah. it was just, you know, honest mistake, honest mistake. Well, you get that more, more often than not though, when you're like in the States and stuff, right? Oh, absolutely. Especially yeah. when I'm in the States. Yeah. It's typically when I'm in the U S or Australia. Okay. They would, they, they would, um, more often than not, I would be accused of being from Scotland. Yeah. 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 So, okay, you mentioned, you were like, I wasn't, I, I, I used to be a drug, drug addict, I'm not. So that was a little taster of your, your story. You know, you are a um, very, you know, radical, inspiring um, evangelist, and, um, but you didn't always used to be that way. So why don't mm -hmm. you jump into how you, the life you lived and how you came to know the Lord. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful. I appreciate this opportunity mm -hmm. to share how God rescued me, how the Lord came in and rescued me. Mm. I was raised, Jeff, I was raised in a loving family. I knew what love was. I wasn't raised in an abusive home. My parents were wonderful, are wonderful. My father passed away 10 years ago, but my mother's still here. She's wonderful. My father was wonderful. I have an older brother, a younger sister, amazing people. Our house was together. So I knew what love was. Mm -hmm. um, I left school and kind of then embarked on my own journey, still living at home, but I went into the secular world, of course, living and earning money. My parents are not Christians. I was the first believer in all of my family, not just my immediate. As far as we know, I'm the first born again believer wow. on our tree, wow. on our family tree, I we think. So I left school, did okay in school, left school, started to work in a screen printing factory, stayed there for five years, then went to work in construction for my cousin. My cousin had a company. I went to work for him three or four years. Three years after that, I opened up my own company and I was doing well in the in the measuring stick of the world. Of course, to give yeah. you an idea, mm -hmm. I was earning anywhere between ten and $12,000. 23 years of age, living at home. I was earning that a month, every month. Yeah. Hey, Jeff, a lot of people say to me, I wish I knew you then. Yeah. <laughs> if I can be completely truthful, I wish I knew myself then. Mm. I had no idea who yeah. I was. Yeah. So my life just spiraled out of control. I mm. maintained a construction company with a number of people working for, uh, uh, working for us. Not many, eight to 10 people normally about six people. And I maintained that company for six, seven years, eight mm -hmm. years. But then my life just spiraled out of control. 
I would I would go to bar, the pub, every Friday after work, and I would literally I'd stay there all Friday night, all Saturday, come home, Damn. recover Sunday, back in work Monday, and I would do that for a number of years. Then I would I would watch the midweek football. Football, soccer, soccer in the U.S. Yeah, <laughs> all you wonderful, wonderful Americans. I mean, I actually English. like soccer or f- I like football more than American football. Yeah, so I mean, I we it is interesting how we us English like to um, complicate things. We we call a game that you use a ball on your foot. We call it football. I do understand how yeah. complicated that can become yeah. to some. Beautiful yeah. <laughs> people viewing, but you get what I mean. Anyway, so I would watch the game of a Wednesday. And what happened, Jeff, is I realized very quickly I was in the pub more nights of a week that I wasn't. Man. And then the kicker came. A friend of mine asked me, would I like to try cocaine? My response was this. Yeah, why not? Mm. I tried it. I took it. I tried it and it did exactly what it was supposed to do. It started to ruin my life Hmm. instantly. Instantly. People say to me, how long did it take for you to become addicted to cocaine? I don't know. But what I can tell you is this. I tried it. It did what it was supposed to do. 10 minutes later or 10, 20 seconds later, I asked my friend for the drug dealer's number, phone number. And I call that number for many years, Mm. every day. Every day. So my life spiraled out of control. I became a self-harmer, living on and off the streets. I lost everything. I was about 60 pound lighter than than what I am now. My life spiraled out of control. Manically depressed, hearing voices, suicidal, self-harmer, alcoholic, cocaine addict, sleeping rough on the streets. And in 2010, I moved into a Christian rehab. The fact that it was a Christian rehab didn't impress me. It certainly didn't put me off, but it didn't impress me. I didn't know any Christians. I didn't know Jesus. Mm -hmm. I didn't know the tomb was empty. I'd never been to church. I'd never heard the gospel. I didn't know I could repent and say sorry. And I moved in there on the 18th of January. 2010 was there an awareness during that time when you were in the throes of addiction that you were like i am in deep trouble and i can't stop and no efforts to stop was there an awareness of that because in your book you mention that it was a friend's mom i believe that that presented you with this opportunity and it sounds like it was just this yeah i'll go yeah but there was no like wrestling or were you ever in denial or were you always aware that you're like, I am, this is out of control, but I can't stop. And I don't know that I necessarily want to. Oh, I wanted to stop. Okay. I often say this, there's three, there's three problems a drug addict has. One, they're drug addicts. Mm-hmm. Two, they can afford the habit. And three, they can't afford the habit. Mm-hmm. I was always a drug addict. Mm-hmm. In that period of my life, yeah. I could afford it, and then I couldn't. And when you can't, that's when the trouble really takes off. Yeah. So a friend of a friend's mother told me about this rehab, and I was quick to do everything I could to get myself in there because I was desperate for change and could not find the change I needed 
in the world system because I went to programs and I went to this and they were offering me, um, they weren't offering me. They would certainly weren't offering me Christ, and that's who I needed. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Fire podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, visit ElijahFire.com slash give. So I moved into this rehab, never being to church, not opposing the fact that Jesus could be real. Um, and on the third day of being in there, I was about to have my first Bible study. I'd never been to church. I'd never read the Bible. Mm. I didn't know you, Jeff, or any of your team. I didn't know any of our mutual friends. I didn't know my wife, Jen. I didn't know any Christians except my friend's mother. And when I moved in, I was about to have my first Bible study on the third day of being in this. So I moved in on the 18th of January. On the third day, the 21st of January, I was about to have my first Bible study. 9.15 a.m. And the manager of the center, he walked into the room and this is what he said. Someone in here wants to give their life to Jesus now. Now, I'd never been to church, mm -hmm. but I felt something pulling me. Mm -hmm. Now I know it was someone. Mm -hmm. It was the comforter leading me to Jesus, mm -hmm. leading me to all truth. And I jumped up, Jeff. I jumped up like a bolt of lightning had hit me. And I said, Jesus, if you are real, a huge question mark and a very small Jesus, if you were real, save me. And I felt the hands of God touch me, baptize me in the Holy Ghost. Come on, dude. He removed <laughs> nine years of addictions out of me Man. instantly. Come on. Baptize me in the Holy Ghost and in fire. Alcohol addiction, gone. Cocaine addiction, gone. Self-harming, gone. Suicidal thoughts, gone. Anxiety disappeared. Voices disappeared in a moment. The Lord delivered me of torment. Suicidal tendencies. He delivered me in somewhere, <laughs> somewhere between 9.15 a.m. and 9.16 a.m. Somewhere Dude. in between those 60 seconds, he removed nine oh, years of torment instantly. Mm. Now, if it was a flash of emotion, I'm pretty convinced I would be stumbling over those issues again. Of course, yeah. I have 14 years to back this encounter up. Come on. Of living for him. Come on. Jeff. Dude. He touched me mm. and he changed me. You ready? I was the very first person I ever heard praying in tongues. Wow. The very first person was me. Then I had to read the Bible to understand what had happened to me. Mm -hmm. You see, they shall come to the knowledge of the truth and the truth shall set them free. Mm -hmm. The truth himself walked into the room before I actually read the truth. Before I read it, he before I read about him, he came into the room. Mm. I was delivered of nine years of torment before I ever read the Bible. Mm. Now, Dude. that mm. to me is is just his grace, his yeah. mercy. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, I stayed in that rehab 
discipleship center for nine more months. Wow. I could have moved out probably after a month, but I just knew this is too good for me to want to leave. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, I had the wisdom to stay another yeah. eight months. Absolutely. I stayed in there for nine months. Yeah. And my life has never been the same since he delivered me mm. instantly. Now, I know that doesn't happen that way for everyone. Right. Um, hey, listen, I was set free from cocaine and alcohol and self-harm and suicidal thoughts instantly. But there were still things I had to walk out in mm-hmm. the process, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Did you ever draw a correlation? Because you said on the third day of you being there, like the correlation, like Jesus dying. And then on the third day, rising again, you being dead. And on the third day, rising again with him. Like, I just, I couldn't help but see the parallel with that. It's so perfect. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the very fact that I was in there for nine months, they would say represents a birth. It's a new life. I came out. I I left after nine months and went into, it was incredible. I am deeply indebted to those guys in in yeah. the lighthouse foundation absolutely absolutely well and it's it's the thing i love about your story and i was actually this is what i was thinking of when i was reading it in your book um was this is something i talk about a lot this idea of uh, cessationism like there's cessationist belief that believe that the works don't that those things don't happen anymore they were just for the early church um and i something that I've often thought about and I talk to people about is, is I'm like the amazing thing about God. And we see this happening even in the middle East with God revealing himself to Jesus himself, revealing himself as the man in white to people. I know Robbie Dawkins talks a lot about stuff in the Muslim world. He's doing a lot over there, but um, you had no bearing on Jesus, on any of that, never read the Bible, never been to church, you know, didn't come from a Christian home. So you had no, no grid for any of this. And in an instant, you started experiencing things that are presented in the New Testament Mm. post Jesus's Mm. resurrection. So there's your proof right there, people (laughs) like that. God is alive today. He is talking to people. He is encountering people. And that is a guarantee, a promise guarantee that we have with him. And so um, I love it, man. Yeah. It was incredible. Yeah. It really was. It was incredible. And it's a moment, it's a moment that I, uh, that I reflect on. Um, I, o- I often reflect on the day I met the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it was just the sweetest of moments, just incredible. And for those people who may, who may come across this, who, who, who haven't doubts that God moves in that way today. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lots of things God's doing right now. You just may not may be witnessing it in your own life, but he's doing things. Um, he's healing people. He's setting the captives free. I mean, I, you know, God was moving 4,000 years ago. I met the Lord 14 years ago. It stands to reason that he's still moving today. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Andrew, can you do me a favor really quick? Yeah. Um, because I know that there are people who are in the throes of addiction right now. And I really want them to hear the rest of what you have to say in the rest of this episode. Would you do a favor and just pray for those people maybe that feel like they're in that place of desperation, like they're in that place of like, man, I need, 
I need what Andrew is talking about. I need that. Would you mind just praying for those people right now? And then we'll, we'll continue. Yeah. I'd be honored to. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. I just want to thank you for what you've done in my life. And Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do in the lives of those who want to touch you right now. Mm. Jesus, I pray that you touch them and I pray to, and I pray and I ask those who want to be touched, come forward and touch Jesus. Mm -hmm. Jesus, I pray that your compassion just invades their lives right now and your truth. I pray for those who are struggling with addictions. I pray for self-control. I pray that that chain of addiction be broken right now. Alcoholism, self-harm and hopelessness, drug addiction, whatever it is that is hindering your life, we break it off right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And I plead to those who need to know Jesus that you come and you call upon his name. It was on my very first encounter, Jesus, that you set me free. And I pray and I believe, Lord, that you can do that in other people's lives, whether it's their first encounter or whether it's their thousandth encounter. Lord, I know that you can set the captives free. So if you need setting free, please, I urge you, continue to come to Jesus. Continue to ask and get yourself around godly people. Mm -hmm. Get to a God-fearing church and tell them that you need help. But first and foremost, know this, that only Jesus can set you free. Come to him. So, Father God, I thank you for your son. And I thank you where he said it is finished. Our new life can begin. So come to the cross. Come to Jesus and ask him to set you free. Yes. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Um, okay. So obviously nine months went by and things were different, right? Mm. Yeah. So um, when did you meet? I'm curious when you met your wife in the timeline of all this, because she's okay. a big part of your life. She's a big yeah. part of, you know, the ministry you do yeah. and all that. So in, it's interesting. So if you can imagine here is the church. And here is the, the rehab. The rehab was on the church grounds. And if you were, if you was in this rehab, you had to attend this church. Uh-huh. My wife, or should I say Jen, she wasn't my wife then. Yeah. Although I sense she was always my wife. I just didn't know at the time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. My wife attended this church. Okay. She's, she didn't have a past like mine. She's never been addicted, never been an alcoholic, mm-hmm. brought up in a, in a beautiful, godly home. My wife attended this church. I was in this rehab. Mm-hmm. When I went to this church, I met Jen. Okay. So I was in rehab. Jen was in the church. I was in that church. Jen and I became friends. I left the rehab. We started dating and we got married in March 2012. So I moved out of the rehab in September 2010. And Jen and I got married in March 2012. Wow. So that's where I met Jen. Um, Jen, Jen and I, when we, when we were dating, we, it, was, it, was, it was 
the proposed idea, let's just let's just take this slow. Let's just mm -hmm. see what the Lord mm -hmm. wants, you know, and just, you know, let's date from the other side of the table and maybe go out for some fast food. And yeah. but we were kind of inseparable from yeah. the day we met. Mm. Um and yeah. you know. And then yeah. obviously we got we got married two years later. It yeah, and it's year. it's interesting because it's like my my wife and I were the same. I I think we were dating two week two weeks into us dating. Actually, no, even before that, I knew she was my wife. Come I just on. knew, and it was a no. You know, I gotta say, it's annoying. <laughs> People are always like, "Oh, when you meet your wife, you're gonna know," and I'm like, "No, but like, I need to know more than that." You know, <laughs> and and it's it, as annoying as it is, it's true. Yeah. I just knew, and she knew. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, you know, and so for us, it was like, if, if I had my way, we would have been probably engaged within six months of dating, but as it stands, we had to wait two years and, you know, we were long distance for a while and all that stuff. So yeah, um, yeah. The, the, the other thing that I wanted to touch on though, is you said, here's the church, here's the rehab mm. up until that point, there were eight, eight of you guys total or eight other people in the eight rehab. Eight others plus me, yeah. nine in total. Okay. So nine. And you were under the impression that there were no other Christians in your area besides you nine guys. Yeah. Yeah. But there was a greater revelation. Let's yeah, talk about yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in this house, in this rehab, obviously, which is, can, which is on the church grounds. Yeah. So I get saved. And then that first Sunday we go to Sunday service. And I walk into this church that, that I know that seats approximately 950 people. I found that out because part of being in the rehab, you you become a volunteer right. within the church and you right. set out the chairs. Right. So I, I on my first Sunday service, I went and there was 750 people in the church approximately. Yeah. Jeff, honestly, I I promise you. I thought this was every Christian in the UK and they'd all come to this church <laughs> for a special meeting. Yeah. I thought, wow, I had no idea <laughs> there was this <laughs> there was this many Christians in the UK, not realizing that this was just one congregation mm -hmm. of thousands. I was dumbfounded yeah. that there was this many believers. And then about two or three weeks later, something hit me like a ton of bricks. I thought, hang on a moment. Where I was a cocaine addict and an alcoholic and a self-harmer and homeless mm -hmm. was three miles up the road from yeah. this church. Yeah. And not one of these people managed to stumble across my path. Mm-hmm. Not one of them somehow told me about Jesus. Now, I want to be gracious and I want my language to be seasoned with attraction and great grace. Maybe they never, ever saw me, but there's churches by where I lived. Yeah. Now I come to know. Someone saw you. Somebody saw yeah. me. And that, Jeff, that put a fire within me. Yeah. Like, oh, no, 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 no. Not on my watch. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. And it, it, it convicted me. It upset me. It frustrated me. It lit me up. It, 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 it encouraged me. It inspired me. I had this whole 
plethora of emotions. Like the very first time I heard that Jesus was real, I gave my life to him. Mm -hmm. So if any one of these people would have told me 10 years ago, mm -hmm. Maybe I would have given my life to Jesus. Maybe it would have saved you a lot of I didn't trouble. Have to have all of these scars yeah. on my body. Maybe I didn't have to try and kill myself a couple of times mm -hmm. because I'd have come to the knowledge of the truth, and He would have set me free. So then I had to juggle with this, and it was it actually I used it as a springboard to tell as many people without looking like a maniac. <laughs> and maybe sometimes looking like a maniac, yeah. you know, but I mean, who cares? You know, yeah. it's okay to look silly from time to time, yeah. especially if it's for the Lord. Yeah. Well, that's my excuse anyway. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious because you didn't come from a Christian home, but there was an obvious transition from that point where it was just like, like you felt, you know, because you were saved from so much, you had this moment of just, um, you know, huge encounter with the Lord and you were different as a result of that. What was the dynamic like then in your family afterwards? And have any of them come to the Lord since then? I'm curious. Yeah. So we had the privilege, me and my wife had the privilege about 10 years ago okay. to lead my mother to Jesus. Come on. That's yeah. awesome. She came to our house, actually. Um, she came to mine and Jen's house in 2014. So 10 years ago, yeah, 2014. And she said, hey, you've left me with no choice. <laughs> I said, well, what was this? She said, you've left me with no choice. How do I give my life to Jesus? Now, granted, my mother wouldn't mind me saying this. Granted, giving your life to Jesus is one thing. Coming to, a ch coming to church is another. She very rarely comes to church. <laughs> but, but... She's seen what the Lord has done in my life, and mm -hmm. so is my extended family. Mm. Um, what's interesting is they real they've come to the revelation how good Christ is for me, mm. and how much I needed Him to change my life. But they haven't yet come to the revelation that He's good for them too, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. that they need Him. There's an evangelist in their family. Oh, they know. They yeah. know that they need Jesus. Yeah. I can assure you that. Yeah. Interestingly, yeah. and I want to just say this, if you give me the liberty just to just Please. to share this, because I know there'll be many viewers, and I want to just share something just to try and take some burden off people. Mm -hmm. An evangelist called into the office, takes 70, 80 flights a year all around the world, preaching in to hundred thousand people, mm -hmm. to six people in schools and stadiums and so on and so forth. I just want to share something in case you feel it's just you. You being the corporate you, not just you, Jeff. You, mm -hmm. the corporate yeah. you. But also me, yeah. But also <laughs> you, yeah. If it's good enough for them, it's good enough for yeah, us, that's right? right? That's right, that's <laughs> right. Yeah. What I would say is this, the most difficult people for me to share my faith with is my immediate family. Mm. Yeah, I feel that. The most, the easiest people for me to live out my faith with is my immediate family. Hmm. You see, because they get to see my actions. They may not always want to hear what I have to say in the context of the kingdom of God, but they appreciate 
let me say it like this and be completely vulnerable. They appreciate that they can leave money in the house without it going missing. Yeah. Help Elijah Fire continue to make an impact around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. Visit ElijahFire.com slash give and become a partner today. Because when Jesus transforms someone, he transforms them fully. Mm -hmm. So they, 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 some, I say this to say that even for me, in the office of an evangelist, the most difficult people for me to share my faith with are my immediate family. So if you are going through that, let your life speak loudly. L demonstrate and imitate Christ around your immediate family or your extended family. And they will they will have to acknowledge there's this change in your life because mm. wherever there is action, there's a reaction that is in the spiritual realm and in the physical realm. If I clap my hands, here's the action. The reaction is a sound. Mm -hmm. Even in the physical realm, wherever there's action, there's a reaction. So if you're struggling to share your faith audibly with your nearest and dearest, keep living it out. Mm. They will see it and they will want to know eventually mm -hmm. how your life's changed. Yeah. Yeah. And I've definitely had, I think too, like there's a lot of times we can be in a, uh, a secular work environment and you can be like, man, like, especially here in America, there's a lot of like strict within like, you know, workplaces. I'm sure it's the same over in the UK. Um, but where it's like, no, you can't, you, you have to leave your, you know, your beliefs outside. And, you know, like a, a friend of mine, she felt prompted by the Lord to share her faith with somebody. And then that person got mad at her and then told on her to HR. And then my friend ended up getting written up and like got a yeah. citation and all of this and, mm -hmm. and was devastated because of it. So that it's a very real thing. But then beyond that, it's like, I've had a lot of opportunities when I was, you know, in the secular world working just by my actions, my behavior, there would be plenty of opportunities for like mean customers to come in and the way I responded and the way I even talked about them afterwards, people began to notice. They do notice, you know, yeah. especially if you conduct yourself in that manner and people go, there's something different about you, you know? Right. And so you do get those opportunities. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I, I think the thing I love about your book is it definitely does take the edge off of sharing your faith and really um, it, it's incredibly convicting in the best ways, but also like, it's just, your approach is so genuine and you have a lot of compassion in the way that you're communicating to the reader. Um, but also saying like, Hey, I get it, but here's our reality. Um, but you do have a great story of how you kind of created this elevator pitch, which is like a short for those who don't know what an elevator pitch is, um, or an elevator gospel presentation. I can't remember how you word it, but is you have a moment with somebody in an elevator, right? You're yeah, just yeah. going through floors, you know, seconds sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah. this was birthed out of a moment of failure for you. So why yeah, don't you yeah. tell people? I think it's really encouraging because all of us can relate to this story. So mm -hmm. go for it. Yeah. So it's in it's in chapter six, chapter yeah. six of this. And what yeah. it was, I, I was I attended the late pro, the promoted legend evangelist Reinhard Bonnke's memorial service in Florida. When he was promoted, there was a memorial service and I attended it with a, a th 
couple of thousand yeah, others. A lot of people. And as I was heading back to the hotel, I can remember the hotel. It was it was in Florida, and I entered into the mall and into the into the uh, the lobby. I got into the elevator, bearing in mind I'd just been to the memorial service of an evangelist who's won over 80 million people to Jesus. Okay. So you can kind of think, and plus I answered the call to full-time evangelism mm -hmm. in Africa, in Lagos, when Reinhard was preaching his very last sermon on African soil. It was there. The Lord spoke to me and told me to come home and leave my job. So, Reinhard's been a hero of mine. And then there I am at his memorial service. I make my way back to the hotel, three o'clock, four o'clock in the afternoon. I get into the elevator and this huge gentleman gets in, baseball cap on and a lovely cup of coffee. Mm. I could smell it. Just me and him in the lift. This coffee just overtook the lift. It mm -hmm. was incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I like my coffee. Yes, okay? same. Yeah. I'm one of the few English who don't like tea, but really? I, know, okay. I do like coffee. Anyway, cuts a very long story short. I'm in there and I feel a prompt from the Holy Ghost to tell him about Jesus in the lift, in the elevator. He's going to level three. I think I'm going to level five, something like that. Mm -hmm. And the door shuts and instantly I feel the Lord. I felt a prompt and yeah. tell him about me. Bearing in mind, you can remember where I've just been celebrating the life yeah. of one of the greatest evangelists that's ever lived. Mm -hmm. Souls are on my mind. Reinhard Bonnke's on my mind. The Lord is on my It's set up for success. Mm -hmm. The whole thing. I've got God whispering to me, tell him like he's yeah. going to do something. And I talk about anything except Jesus. I just, I mm -hmm. clog up. I just, Dropped the ball. By the way, <laughs> I've dropped the ball many times since. Mm. You want to throw that out if that helps someone? Yeah. I drop the ball every week. So just so you know, let's we're in good company. Mm. Jesus will see us through. Don't you worry. Yeah. So I'm about to tell him about Jesus, and I talk about anything other. The coffee smells great. What 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 football club is this on your cap? All of these kind of things. How's your day? Very quickly. The doors open up. He gets out. The doors shut. And it hit me like an arrow. This conviction. Jeff, it was almost as if, I, I, I believe this, someone else has led this gentleman to the Lord. I really believe that. I just sense mm -hmm. that that's what's happened. I just sense that I missed my opportunity to do yeah. it. As the doors opened up, he stepped down, said, have a great day. I said, you too, sir. The doors shut. It was like, I don't want to get over dramatic. I'm just going to tell you how it was. It was as if the Lord used the closing doors symbolically to demonstrate as if this man's just stepped onto the wrong side of eternity. Mm. It was like, the, it's like the doors shut and it hit me so hard. It was a bit of a tough day, even though we were celebrating the life of somebody. It was a tough day. It was just an emotional day. And then I've just seen this man symbolically step into the wrong side of eternity. And I felt like the Lord helped me develop an elevator altar call. Hmm. And it goes like this, because what I've noticed is 
one of the hardest things about sharing our faith is not actually who we believe in and what we believe. It's initiating the conversation. Oh, 100%. It's, it's pivoting a conversation from the weather to Christ. Yeah. It's pivoting a conversation from someone's new <laughs> truck yeah. to hell or heaven. It's yeah. pivoting that. So I felt the Lord in his yeah. graciously helped me. And this is how it goes. This is the elevator altar call that I've used many times to great success and to not so successful times. Mm -hmm. Okay. What I mean is it's always a success to sow the seed. Sometimes the ground doesn't swallow it up. And it goes like this. If I get in an elevator or if I'm in a store or in a line or in a drive-through or a sports shop or anything like this, I will say this to somebody. Hey, has anybody told you today how much Jesus loves you? So, Three things have so taken easy. place. How simple is this, Jeff? So it's so yeah. simple. We want to just have, add a bit more to it, right? It's like, yeah. oh, it's that simple. You yeah. want to share your faith? Start like this. Hey, has anyone told you today how much Jesus loves you? Three things have happened. Has anyone told you, it's personal, today there's a time frame mm -hmm. about Jesus' love? So there's three things. Has anyone told you today about him? And it's one of the most simplest ways to initiate a conversation. Hey, has anyone told you today how much Jesus loves you? Wait for their response and then chime back in. We have seen great success with such a little bit of um, intervention. Just, mm -hmm. hey, has anyone told you today how much Jesus loves you? Jeff, I travel the world. I travel extensively with my mm -hmm. wife. We teach, train, equip churches all over the world. And it comes down to this. Start by opening your mouth mm, yeah. and let God fill it and watch what he does. So the simplest and easiest ways for us to do it and to initiate a conversation is to ask a question. So there to share's elevator altar call is this. Mm -hmm. Hey, has anyone told you today how much Jesus loves you? Of course, I expand on a full chapter yeah. of how to kickstart this, what to add to it, the tools. If they say one thing, maybe you can say another and how you can lead someone to Jesus. Mm -hmm. One of the greatest things of, of, of leading people to Jesus is they have to hear about him. Mm -hmm. I say it like this. I've never led anybody to Christ without telling them about Christ. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's yes. This will help you bring Jesus into the conversation. Yeah. Because yeah. you you do talk a lot um, in, your, in your book, maybe, but I know you talk about this a lot outside about the whole idea of, of mercy ministries and, and going and feeding the poor and giving them sandwiches and, and all of that. And, and you often ask the question, like how many ham and cheese sandwiches does it take to get someone to, you know, to come to the Lord? Like we need to be more intentional that you're condemning those acts. Absolutely. Feed people, take care of people, meet needs like that. But 
people, the gospel does need to be preached at the same time. They de- there does need to be an awareness of like, hey, I'm coming in the name of Jesus when I give you this chili, you know, or whatever it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting you say that because if I ever get any flack or any pushback on social media or any of my, any of the, the socials that I use, it's around that specific thing. Listen, I have lots of Bibles and I read them all. Mm-hmm. I study the word. I want to show myself approved. Mm-hmm. I know Jesus says what you've done unto the least of these, you've done unto me. Mm-hmm. What did we do when you fed the hungry, when you clothed the naked? I'm all for feeding the hungry. We do it unto the Lord. We do it. Feed the hungry and feed them all the more. Mm-hmm. Feed as many hungry people as yeah. you can but attach the name of Jesus to it. That's what I'm trying to say. What, or, or that's not what I'm trying to say. That's what I'm saying. Attach the name of Jesus because, again, how many sandwiches does it take to enter into the kingdom of heaven? Mm-hmm. We can fatten them up before hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen, yeah. I'm not a hellfire and brimstone preacher. No. I'm a grace. I'm a love. I'm a mercy. I'm compassion. Well, hey, when I was an alcoholic, I didn't need a sandwich. I needed Christ. Yeah. That's it. When I was snorting cocaine, I didn't need a lovely Philly steak cheese sandwich. I needed liberation. Mm-hmm. When I was com- contemplating suicide, all the prawn and cucumber sandwiches were not going to set me free. They were delicious, but I was still wanting to kill myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Get Jesus into the situation. Bring their bread of life in. That's mm-hmm. why I, I cannot and I will not reduce the gospel and the kingdom of God solely down to humanitarian aid, because Mm. I'll say this, there is atheistic movements and atheistic organizations out there feeding millions and millions and millions of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They can feed the hungry. What they can't do is bring Jesus to them because they may not believe in him. We can bring the blesser, not just the blessing. Yeah. That'll preach. That'll yeah. preach. There's, yeah. a, there's 50 sermons in that one. Mm-hmm. You see, bring the blesser whilst giving the blessing. The blessing can never outgive the blesser. So what's the biggest blessing? By giving them the blesser. Mm-hmm. Bless them with the blesser whilst giving them the blessing. Mm-hmm. It is vitally important that when we hand out things, we do it in the mighty name of Jesus. Silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give on to you. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Um, just in closing, we're almost out of time, but I actually wanted to hit on this because I think um, I'm going to issue a challenge at the end of this uh, this episode. But uh, in chapter three, which is titled Dare to Share, there's um, you talk about identifying, you're kind of helping people to like, because some people, they they know Jesus, they love Jesus, but they have a hard time um communicating that passion to people but you address you're like we all have things in our life that we're passionate about and so you say a great starting point you were talking about your love of fishing and you go on and on and on 
Um, and we all have these things in our lives. It could be filmmaking. It could be gardening. It could be uh, whatever. And you say, this is a great starting point. So why don't you talk a little bit about that of like how that's a starting point into talking about the gospel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is interesting that we, we our, our voices become higher. Our actions become more fluid when we're talking about things we're passionate about. Mm -hmm. And I often say this, you know, <clears throat> it's interesting. If somebody needed if someone didn't believe in Jesus, not actively, they just didn't know. They just didn't know he he existed. They knew the name, but not the person. Mm -hmm. And you could explain to them with passion, hey, look, I know people who Jesus has healed. A passion for that healing should kickstart in, in the person who needs it. Mm -hmm. What? You're mm -hmm. You're telling me that so-and-so has been healed. It's mm -hmm. like me when I go fishing. I come from a line of fishermen. My uncle paid off his mortgage by fishing. Wow. Like he, he had trophies and cups and tournaments named after him. So when, when I'm talking about fishing, if I talk to people who, who need to catch the fish that I catch, however big they are. <laughs> and I'm telling them about the lakes that I fish with passion. They want to come and visit those lakes. Yeah. If we can talk with passion about what Jesus has done for us, for you, Jeff, for your team, mm -hmm. who I had the privilege of meeting before we jumped on, your mm -hmm. wonderful team and, and your family. If, if we have a passion about this Jesus, it's infectious. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I encourage believers to do is tell non-believers about your Jesus. Now, providing your Jesus is theologically sound, if yes. you understand yeah. what I mean, <laughs> yeah. okay? Providing it's the one we read in the in, in the, mm -hmm. in the Bible. Yes, please, please, everybody. The, the real Jesus, yeah. the one true Jesus, you yeah. know? But tell them what he's done for you. Mm -hmm. nobody nobody can tell your testimony better than you come on people can share it god can anoint it and it can be powerful but when you've been the recipient of that mercy and of that grace and of that forgiveness a passion will come up in you so find the things that what god has done for you find the things that he has delivered you from or the oh. things you're passionate about and bring them into the story. It's always yeah. enthusiastic. It's always passionate. It's always engaging. People will press in and want to know more about the things of God when we put it to them with great excitement. I yeah. use fishing as a story. I yeah. love fishing. I'm planning on going Yeah. next week. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, and you kind of issue a ploy. I even like highlighted it because I was like, yeah, man, like this is, I mean, it was, it, you know, it, convicting for all the times I haven't, I've, I've missed opportunities and it really just puts a fire in you to like, man, I want to seize more moments. It says, don't be passionate about earthly hobbies, but disinterested in your heavenly commission. Mm. And, um, you know, I, and that can even be, I even equated that like your, your hobbies, like there are things that God has, um, desires he's put in all of us, like to go in certain fields, things like that. But don't allow that thing to trump or, you know, 
I guess, take precedence over who Jesus is and our mandate from Jesus himself to go out and share the gospel with the world. Um, And so, um, yeah, the other thing, guys, I wanted to hit on, but I honestly, I'll use it as like a prompt for you. Uh, to to get this book because it really is guys it's a quick read and it's so so constructive Andrew does a great job um, but is the whole idea of you even debunk the myth of well I don't have a testimony because I wasn't a cocaine addict I wasn't an intravenous drug addict I wasn't you know whatever mm. I wasn't a prostitute um, so you have a and this was a this was a snare that a lot of Christians they get into this is one that I fell into but God helped me realize that I never even though I wasn't necessarily walking with the Lord as a professing, I would say I was a Christian, but I wasn't walking with the Lord. So when I became 18, that's when my, that's when the ignition happened for me. Um, but he, he showed me that my, just like my testimony of not having gotten into drugs, not having gone and slept with a bunch of women and all those things is just as much a testimony of God's faithfulness working in my life as someone who was a drug addict and is now not like both of those are a testimony of God's goodness. And, um, and so you really go dive into that. You talk. Yeah, absolutely. Um, (laughs) do I wish I wasn't a cocaine addict? Absolutely. (laughs) Do I wish I met Christ earlier? Yeah. Absolutely. You see, our testimonies, Jeff, really are identical. Now, let me just back up there, okay? Mm-hmm. The testimony is the same. The details are different. Yeah. The details yeah. are different. The testimony is the same. We were both on our views. We were all in darkness. Now we're in light if you've accepted mm-hmm. Christ. Our lives were chaotic. Now they're more ordered. Mm-hmm. There the, was lack of peace. Now there's peace. There was lack of wisdom. Now the wisdom. We were hell bound. Now we're heaven bound. Our testimony is the same. I love that. But our details are yeah. different. The details are different. You have a story. Like, how amazing is it? For someone who's been raised in the church to stand there and say, my testimony is phenomenal. I've never been drunk once. I've never sipped alcohol. I've took communion every day. I've took, I've prayed every day. The Lord's kept me on the narrow path. I've got a great, crikey, like, <laughs> what an amazing yeah, testimony that's, that's of God's yeah. grace. Now. Isn't it also an amazing testimony of God's grace? Hey, I was suicidal. I'm mm-hmm. not no more. Mm-hmm. I was full of scars. They've disappeared. I was suicidal. I was a cocaine. I'm not no more. There's a testimony that they all, they all need Jesus. Mm-hmm. They all need Jesus to set us free. We all need him. So you've, you mentioned, um, I think you mentioned earlier on, I don't know if it was before we jumped on or before I came on, that you mentioned Robbie Robbie Dawkins, yeah. a precious friend of mine, one of mm-hmm. my closest friends, mm-hmm. him and his wonderful wife. And Jen and I were very good friends. We do lots of stuff. It's a year. He, he, I just feel to share this. Robbie won't mind me sharing this. He shares it publicly. When he was younger, 
much, much, much younger. I think probably 11, 12, 13 mm-hmm. years of age. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he would make stuff up. Yes, I remember hearing him say he that. Like, <laughs> he would tell people he'd taken drugs. So his testimony was wild. Yeah. Have you seen the way Robbie Dawkins saves the Lord? Yeah. He's wild. Yeah, super wild. Yeah. And yeah, he used to make up a wild testimony. Now he just lives one. Yeah. Listen, our testimonies are all the same. We were all Mm. hellbound, now we're heavenbound. We were all lost, now we're found. Mm -hmm. We were in darkness, now we're in light. Listen, guys, don't major on wanting the bells and whistles. Just major on the fact that you are no longer lost and you're found. You've Mm. been set free. Focus on that. That is the testimony. Because if you don't have that, we're still in the test. Right. Yep. 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 All right. So, um, Andrew, I would love for you to pray for us as I know there's like a fire in people. I know how it goes, man. It's like you hear, um, that's something that you carry. And, um, I think you've, I've heard you say that someone affectionately said to you that you are the, the, the pebble in the church's shoe, you know? And I think that that's a really good uh, assessment because it is kind of just this gnawing thing. You're like, we're all called to share our faith. Yes, there are some people who operate within like the, I guess you would say like the, in the fivefold ministry, the office of an evangelist, like I would say you would be that. However, we are, that is not licensed for everybody and a free pass for everybody to suddenly be like, I don't need to share my, Andrew's got it. I don't need to share my faith. You know, I'm like, yes, you do. Yes, we all do. And this is something I'm actively working towards as well. And this book was just, it, this was, this book was so con- yeah, helpful for me. I can't wait to dive deeper into it. Cause like I said, I blazed through it last night to really just absorb as much as I could, but I'm like, I really need to like jump back into this. Cause you do a great job of like, even with the, the what we were just talking about of like, Hey, how do I find my testimony? Uh, what God has done? You, you help walk people through how to map that out, actually mm-hmm. literally map that out, you know, and um, all that stuff. But even, yeah, like practical things of how do I start? Cause sometimes I'll get words of knowledge about people and that's easy for me. Cause I can deal with the discomfort of, Hey man, I know this sound, may, might sound weird, but the Lord showed me this about you, blah, 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 blah. And that's opened up some great uh, opportunities. But then there are times when I'm like, you feel that pole, like you're talking about in the elevator of like, Oh man, I feel like I'm supposed to, but then I don't, I have a really hard time finding my way. And I'm like, yeah, so it's snowing outside. So Jesus, you know, like, it's just like, like, it really like, how do you, how do you create like a segue, you know, and we've all been there. And so you address that in really practical ways. It's fantastic. But I would love for you to pray for, pray for us, pray for us to be able to, for, to see the, the ways that God has, hmm. has impacted our lives and, and to be filled with that passion of being born again, uh, being one way. And now we're another. So I'd love for you to pray for us. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be honored to. Well, first of all, Father God, we just thank you for who you are again mm-hmm. and again and again. I just want to encourage you all to just bring our excuses to the foot of the cross. Bring any excuse of why we would not want to share the truth. We are all ministers of the gospel. We have all been given an opportunity and the responsibility to share our faith. So Father God, Mm. I just ask right now that you help anybody who hears the sound of my voice here. You help them, Lord. You ignite a fire within them 
in order for them to step out, you give them the words to say. Let them start a conversation with, hey, has anyone told you today how much Jesus loves you? Father God, I pray that you bring opportunities their way. And I also pray, Lord, that you help them to rejoice in rejection. If you share your faith and you're rejected, you can legitimately rejoice. They can be legitimate rejoicing within rejection. You see, the seed that is sown is only the seed that can be grown. So I pray that you sow seeds of truth into the lives of those who need it. And I pray, Father God, that you start to cultivate their hearts of the lost, mm-hmm. turn them from stone into flesh, into soil, fertile soil, to swallow up this seed. I pray, Lord, that as people continue to bring excuses, including myself, excuses to the table from time to time, I pray, Lord, that we come to a deep revelation that we all have a responsibility to share the truth. And I pray, Lord, that you give people notable opportunities. I pray for signs and wonders in in their lives. I pray for great salvations. I pray for many souls to be one accurate prophetic words to come flowing out of each and every one of your mouths. Come to him, ask him and get out there and share him with everyone. Mm. Evangelism is Mm. this telling the one in front of you about the one who saved you. So, Father God, I ask that you help us and ask that you help each and every one listening in Jesus' mighty yes. name. Amen. Mm, amen. Amen. Andrew, um, that's fantastic, man. Yeah. You. Oh, man. Uh, how, what's the best way? Obviously, link in the description to Dare to Share, guys. Please, again, uh, you know, when I endorse a book, I endorse a book. Like, I'm not just like, go but um, If I've read it, like, I'll, yeah, fantastic really worth your time. Um, link is in the description to that, but how else can people follow you? Yep. On Instagram. Instagram's a great one. Evangelist Andrew Cannon. Yeah. It, it, or, or of course the website, they can get in touch yeah. with there or through Facebook, Evangelist Andrew Cannon. So both of my socials are Facebook and Instagram and they're both Evangelist Andrew Cannon. Perfect. And then of course the website, yeah. gospelgrenades.com. Yeah. Awesome. So guys, you know, the drill links are in the description to those. So uh, guys, I want to issue a challenge this weekend. We're entering into the weekend. It's a perfect opportunity to share the gospel with somebody. Even in just this episode, I really tried to make sure to hit some points to give you some practicals. They started around 30, 35 minutes into this episode, but obviously by his book as well. Go share the gospel with somebody this weekend. I'm going to do it too. My wife and I are going to be out and about. I'm really excited to do it. It's such an easy thing. Has anybody ever told you how much Jesus loves you today? Boom. And, and you don't even have to be, honestly, the best way is just to give it, put all the gas in the tank and do it. Not, not be like, oh, I just want to kind of tiptoe around it. Just be like, look someone in the eye and just say it, you know? And if you don't know what to do after that, that is God has gone. The Holy Spirit has gone before you. He's already working in these people's yeah. lives. And so that's the thing that Daniel Kalinda, who I believe has taken over Reinhard Bonnke's ministry mm-hmm. or is doing, that's something that he said that I thought was always really good. He's like, the Holy Spirit's already gone before. He's with yeah. you in this. You're not mm-hmm. alone in it, you know? And so 
If you jump on, jump into the deep end and all of a sudden you're like, I don't know what to say next. Well, the Holy spirit is there and he's going to, he's going to help direct the conversation. He's going to, but you're kicking down that door and you're telling people about Jesus. So, uh, so everybody let's do that this weekend. It's one person. And who knows? Some of you guys might have some crazy testimonies of like, I went to one person, like the whole room all of a sudden heard. And like, it was just amazing. So, um, Andrew, thank you so much, man. You're a huge blessing. Uh, thank you for the conviction of just you walking out your life and what that does of disrupting our comfort and all of that. Just thank you, man. It's, it's great. Jeff, thanks for having me. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I really oh, have. It's awesome. very easy doing this with you, my friend. Good, thank good, you good. so much. Absolutely. So everybody, that's our that's our week. That's our show. Have a blessed weekend. We've got um, Victoria back on on Monday. Victoria Sosa, but she's joined with her brother, her, her, not her brother, her husband, Roberto, um, you know, they met in Mexico and they've gotten married. Had kid, they have a baby now. I have an amazing testimony of God's faithfulness um, as she saved herself from marriage. All this amazing stuff and him as well. It's going to be a great, great time. You guys, that's at Monday, 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, also, ElijahStreams.com slash donate is how you guys can donate. You can get in on supporting this ministry. It allows us to bring on the Andrew Cannons and the Victoria Sosas and everybody else. Um, and also... Uh, Guys, you're supporting water wells as well, digging a fresh water well every three days, meeting that basic need and opening people up to the gospel. Um, and so, guys, thank you so much. We love you guys. And we'll see you at 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern time on Monday. We love you guys. Okay, bye. This has been Elijah Fire. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can check out the Elijah Fire podcast on ElijahFire.com, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us live every weekday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, and Facebook. Elijah Fire is presented by Elijah Streams and is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahFire.com slash give for more info on how you can donate today.